As soon as it happened, I'd like to say I knew something was wrong. What I knew was I was embarrassed. I was caught up in this moment, really, swimming in a game of competition. I was stuck in this kind of lim the liminal land of grade six. Do you know that space? Come on, on a softball field. We are all kinds of 12-year-old skill on the field that day. I'm shortstop, always shortstop. Unless I need first base or a pitcher or a catcher, small school vibes, anybody? So we're on the field, play ball. The play happened, punctuated by profanity from my mouth. I'd like to say I knew it was wrong. What I knew, I was embarrassed. Every classmate with an earshot is now looking at me and everyone is sorting this experience and sizing up lunch table assignments. Seriously, seriously, it's one word. What's so wrong with one word? The scene gets fuzzy right now. I'm not really sure what happened next. Me, did I say, are you sure it was me? It could have been, I mean, pictures right there. I, I didn't say that, silly people. Silly people, get your ears out of the gutter. I'm not sure what truly happened next, but a yard supervisor was involved and a teacher and maybe the principal. It could have been Jesus Christ himself because I felt awful. I'd like to say I knew it was wrong. What I knew was embarrassment. I can't believe everyone heard that, and now they're all talking about me. At some point, the teacher asked me to admit the specific language that I used and to apologize because this isn't how we behave around here. My bad language? Me? Bad language? Someone's not telling the truth. Which part of the story would you like to discuss today? Bad language? Bad language used by children? Elementary school protocols and procedures? The act of deflecting truth? Forced apologies? faked feelings, feelings too true to be named. I've got one thesis for us today. Sequence matters. In matters of healing, sequence matters and truth-telling comes first. Truth-telling comes first. No one properly heals, properly moves forward and, and carries on, except that there's truth-telling first. Sequence matters. If, if healing were linear and it's not, if healing were A, B, C, D and it's not, if healing is a plan we can execute today and achieve next week or next month, it would move sort of like this. First truth-telling in the Christian community, we call this confession. And then apology in Christian practice and community, we call this repentance. And then repair in Christian community, we call this reconciliation. And then do better live in hope. There's a sequence, and a sequence matters. Hurt happens, and when it happens, we have to say so and hear so. Showing up with flowers or food or made-up makeups of some kind before this truth-telling, it's pretending. So pick your metaphor or your euphemism. We sweep it under the carpet. We shake it off. We brush it off. Go ahead. What's your euphemism or your metaphor you use for the skimming over the top of the reality? We play it down. We suck it up. We ignore. We call question on the details. Uh, me? I, I, I didn't do that. 
I can tell you, I have confidence in this thesis that sequence matters because it passes the gut test, really, or it rings true. I've experienced this. It must be so. These are all valuable pieces of evidence, by the way. And also, I can tell you I have confidence in this pattern because our sacred story swells with this truth. This morning, listen to the witness of Scripture, communities scattered over time and place with interchangeable leaders, economies, chaos, revolts, despair. What these communities share in common is relational disruption because they deny the truth. From the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59, our courts oppose the righteous and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. From Isaiah 5, what sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies, who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out His plan, for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is so good, and good is evil, and the dark is light, and the light is dark, that bitter is sweet, and sweet is bitter. From the prophet Isaiah, talking to the covenant community, we could restate, big trouble comes to those who call things by the wrong names, who disguise truth, Isaiah says, we mock God when we do that. Don't do it. Here's the prophet Isaiah, uh, uh, Amos, Amos chapter 6. More bad news, by the way, in the book of Amos, they say, than any other square inch of the Bible. Here's Amos. How terrible for you who sprawl on ivory beds and lounge on your couches, eating the meat of tender lambs from the flock and of choice calves fattened in the stall. You sing trivial songs to the sound of the harp, and you fancy yourself to be great musicians like David. You drink wine by the bowlful and perfume yourselves with fragrant lotions. You care nothing, however, about the ruin of your nation. This is what denial looks like. Self-indulgements and entitlements and an inability to name what's right under the nose. Or to Jeremiah, describing a society where neighborliness is impossible because there's a greedy grasping of life, and then claiming, it's okay, it's not really that bad for you, is it? It, it, It's okay for you. That's the book of Jeremiah. We didn't hurt you that bad. We, We didn't, it wasn't so bad. There's a consequence, by the way, in each of these communities, a therefore, therefore you will, will fail. I'll save that for a moment. Here's Jeremiah 6. From the least to the greatest, their lives are ruled by greed. From prophets to priests, they are all frauds. They are superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their disgusting actions? Not at all. They don't even know how to blush. They're incapable of being embarrassed. They're incapable of their true situation, a loss of embarrassment. What a, what a verse in the Bible. They're incapable of blush. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel says that the loss of embarrassment is a quintessential loss of human capability. When we lose our ability to be embarrassed, we've lost what is essential to 
our, our humanity, the ability to blush. For our purposes today, feel the weight of these voices in various testifying communities. And, and we could find dozens more like this. We didn't touch Leviticus or Proverbs or the rest of the Psalms or Romans or the gospel stories. Always the prophets give us a sense of urgency. Maybe this is also a gift of our Jewish siblings. The urgency here. If you leave denial unattended, it turns out badly. I suppose you saw plenty of the cartoon in, in 2020. It really had this meme, the dog sitting with a cup of coffee in a burning room, and the caption, everything's fine, everything's fine. This, this cartoon, created from a webcomic, Casey Green, is really from 2013. It's got a little bit of the flavor of the keep calm and carry on posters, doesn't it? But with an absurd twist. It's somewhere between kind of the shrug of a shoulder and deep denial but it became cultural commentary for 2020. Everything is fine, everything is fine, while the room is on fire. The room's really on fire. We don't actually even show the last two frames of this comic because it ends badly with melting eyeballs and scorched fur and everything is not fine. Hurt happens. The Bible implores us to tell the truth about hurt. When we trample people and properties, we have to name it. And, and, and Remember the little sign in stores? You break it, you buy it. It's a little bit like that. My least favorite sign, by the way, when our daughters were little, you break it, you buy it. I mean, they're kids. Kids have accidents. Then don't bring my children around fragile things until they can kind of stand in this zone of responsibility like a ball through the neighbor's window, right? Someone is accountable. And it's a continuum ranging somewhere from unaware ignorance on one end to kind of full knowledge of harm on the other. God bless us, the unaware ignorant side of this continuum, the honest harming, it also happens. I can name things I've said, missteps over the years. I didn't know the pain I was causing. Yet I can also name on the other end of the continuum, less innocent, um, yeah, less innocent, and no time or capacity to be bothered. Why can't we be unwounded healers? Some have asked in the last few weeks. We've been talking about the difference between being wounded healers and wound, wounded resistors. Well, how about the category of unwounded healers? Some have asked. The way to have less wounding, in fact, I would argue, is that the reason humans need so much repair and care is because we forgot our first commandment. The Bible repeats this commandment. In the gospel stories, do you remember when Jesus has asked, teacher, give us one command. What's the greatest command? And instead of one, Jesus gives them two, a two for one, Mark 12, 28. Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Pulling from his tradition, Jesus reaches for Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Jesus says, I've got an answer that's as old as time. Prioritize God, prioritize neighbor, and the least damage is done. 
Yeah, but you meant prioritize God before prioritizing neighbor, right, Jesus? But see, Jesus gives us really two-for-one wisdom, suggesting when we do one, we do the other. And when we ignore one, we ignore the other. When I avoid one, I'm avoiding the other. Prioritize God, prioritize neighbor, and the least damage is done. So what to do when damage is done? When damage is done, we tell the truth and then attend to requirements of justice and mercy. If time allowed, we dig in deep here this morning. For now, I simply name it, love God, love neighbor. So tell the truth when hurt happens. And for those of us living in the covenant community with God, those of us who live baptismal identity with Jesus, these instructions, they couldn't be more clear. We're accountable to see and say truth. We're accountable to see it and say it. See harm, say about it, talk about it. We're accountable then to create the space where speaking up is not penalized, but it's rather expected. In Psalm 120, which we read at the beginning, in Psalm 120, the, the pilgrims are headed to Jerusalem. They're headed to the safest place they know, the place God lives, Jerusalem. What could be better than Jerusalem? And they carry with them their, their built-up weariness, their accumulated trauma. They carry with them a, a longing for refuge and safety. They carry with them unsettled cases from home, and they hope they'll receive justice in Jerusalem, a settlement of peace in Jerusalem. I deeply love this rhythm from our ancestors that annually we make the trip to Jerusalem and inside the temple. When you need to tell the truth, go to the temple. When you need your truth to be heard, go to the temple. When you need a place where your trauma can be acknowledged and your bandages removed, when you need wounded healers to put your feet on the path of healing, get to the temple. Do you remember the slogan from several years ago, right after 9-11 in our country? This phrase became popular, if you see something, say something. It represents post-9-11 culture, a culture of surveillance, and it encouraged citizens to report suspicious activity to authorities. It taught us, really, over the years to think of everyone as suspicious, and our neighbors are threats. Over this last 20 years, we've been actually nurtured into years of suspicion of one another. If we see something, say something. Do you know how many phone calls flooded police stations in New York and Washington, D.C., abandoned packages? Do you know how many phone calls on st and stereotyping on people and colors of skin and nationalities and ethnicities? If you see something, say something. We taught ourselves to be afraid of one another. In light of the command from Jesus, however, maybe we can recover some good here, recover our status as siblings, not warriors. Rather than be destined to confrontation, we're destined to community with one another. See something, say something could also be a call to accountability and action. When we confess we're not warrior siblings, but sacred siblings, that's when there's accountability and responsibility. When we see injustice against a person or against people, when we see unjust arrangements of power, we say something. This is truth-telling. Oh, there's a place for faith communities in the public domain in 2021. There's a place for us to see and to say, knowing in particular this is our command to love God and love our neighbor. 
It's the close of February now, church family. This weekend, we close out the month. So much education and enlightenment has happened the month of February. What did you take in for your own growth and development? What did you watch, read, or listen to Black History, American History Month? I've been working on a 500-page volume slowly, slowly, a history of African America, 1619 to 1919, 400 souls, Ibram Kendi, Keisha Blaine. Anyone else working on these 500 pages of truth-telling? I'm reading because I want to know. I need to hear the stories. I, I have to bear witness. What are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching? During this February month, our government issued a report on life expectancy in the United States. We've just had the largest drop in our life expectancy since World War II. This is pandemic numbers, by the way. These are, these are, this is taking pandemic into account. Life expectancy, the most basic measurement of health and wellness of a population. We lost a year of life once the COVID stats were tallied from this past year. Instead of 77.8 years, we now live, seven, instead of 78 years, we live 77 years. Unless I have black skin. And in black skin communities, instead of losing a year, they lost 2.7 years. Disproportionately affected. When I hear this, I need to say something. I must be curious. I must ask why. I've got to be able to find one piece of energy in my week to roll up my sleeves and come alongside disproportionately affected communities. Be curious. Ask why. What systems and processes create this disparity? Why? We must want to know why. The prophets in our tradition demand when we see it that we say it and we tell the truth. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. Often we say, I didn't, I didn't choose or cause this disparity. By the way, that helps no one. It turns out there are reasons why people die at a higher rate and because they seek medical care at a slower rate. And communication and transportation and avail availability of care is all different in some communities, entire communities of disparity. There are reasons why, by the way, Segregated organizational structure exists in the Seventh-day Adventist denomination because we could not say we were wrong. We came through an era where we couldn't say we were sorry and then do better. Sometimes when I speak about these things, people say, Pastor, please don't tell these stories. Can't we all just get along now? Is That's the past. Don't, don't tell these stories. They make us feel bad. Feeling bad is not a spiritual discipline. Doing better is. Confession, repentance, reconciliation, and hope. These are the tools of the Jesus community. And this is what doing better looks like. I can't simply skip ahead and tell the stories about the do better part without first acknowledging we're still bleeding. What gives me great hope then? To be in covenant community with you and baptismal identity with Jesus. To be in a space where we say truth-telling comes first, where we teach our children how to do this and we teach our teens to long for it and create better days up ahead. If you've been watching any of family worship with Pastor Bev during Shelter at Home, 
few weeks ago. She taught the children how to, to build a bridge, to grab some supplies from home and build a bridge because this is what God is doing with us, building, a, building bridges with people and people do it with, we do it with one another. Whatever is traumatizing us in the world, build a bridge, get closer to your neighbor. It turns out this is wisdom from Jesus. Love God, love your neighbor. And it's an entire plan for a better life. We're teaching it to our children and they're believing us. We've taught it to our teens and they've taken us at our word. This, this is what gives me great hope. It's no time to stop now when we taught our kids to love others they're ready. There's no time to say, don't, don't love people that much. Don't have compassion that much. Don't care that much. Don't get involved that much. Oh, no, no, no. No time for that now. Love God. Love your neighbors. It's the entire plan for a better life for all of us. Do you remember at the beginning of the month, I mentioned that we started asking the youth about their dreams for the church? In their own voices, listen to the dream. Well, my dream for the church. 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 My dream for this church. Kind of depends on the world healing from COVID. But my dream for this church is that all the kiddos who grew up here will stick with this church. Stick with God and they stick with each other. And that we'll gather every Sabbath in community with a lot of love and generosity in our hearts. And that in between Sabbaths, we will actually get out there and do God's work of healing and helping in our communities. I feel like the church is actually already doing most of these. But I hope that my generation... My generation going forwards. I hope that my generation takes that and keeps doing it. And maybe even does just a little bit better. You know, a little bit better. With a little more love. And a little more justice. And a little more action. with a little more love and a little more justice and a little more action. This is a beautiful dream. It's what it sounds like when wounded healers dream. And I want to be in the community these kids create. Amen.